Hello, everyone. So welcome, welcome, welcome. As promised, I have two amazing guests on today. A business and entrepreneurial duo again, actually. Uh, and they are Oyin and Laulu. They are from Neo Enterprise and their relationship started as the usual client and hairdresser relationship, but it flourished into a friendship. In 2017, their conversations around business were convincing enough to Oyin to bring Laulu on as the co-founder of Neo Enterprise and their friendship evolved into a business relationship and now focuses on breaking the stubborn cycle of poverty for Black women. Neo Enterprise currently consists of two brands, Neo Network, which empowers Black women to pursue their business ideas and career aspirations, and Neo Hair and Beauty, their mobile hair and beauty service. And that provides skilled women with the opportunity to professionalize a skill such as Afro hairdressing. They are both dedicated to using innovative hair, beauty, and community development tools to economically empower lives. So let's just both welcome Oyin and Laulu from Neo Enterprise. You can find out more at neoenterprise.com. So who would have thought, you know, a hairdresser and client relationship would flourish into something like this? Yes. <laughs> Don't you think it's quite common though? I think oftentimes... I can always remember, especially growing up, my mum was really cool with all of her hairdressers. Yeah. Because she needed them, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it was almost, even though she was paying for a service, they were doing her the favour. Yeah. Um, doing her hair, especially as someone who has a lot of hair and I've inherited that gene, or you can testify. I have a lot of hair. <laughs> oh, it's, it's a lot to get through. <laughs> yeah. It's true, actually. Yeah. You know, that it is an interesting dynamic between at least... Afro hairdressers and their clients because you can have some really great conversations and build genuine friendships actually. And I think with hairdressing or with your the hairdresser and client relationship is one where it you know you stay loyal because you know that they're really good at what they do. So you keep going back and yeah. after a while it just becomes this relationship of catching up every once in a while. It's like that friend that you don't talk to as much, but then when you finally do get to catch up with them, you can talk for hours and hours. And it's like, where have we been for the past couple of months? So yeah, definitely. It's like that. Yeah. And I think, as you mentioned, there is that element of you need them (laughs) when you find a good hairdresser. It's like low supply, high demand. So you kind of need that that good hairdresser. You don't want to let them go, especially for us as black women. I mean, that leads me on to a question I have for both of you, which is, it would, it would be really great if you could just tell us more about the need that you saw that led to starting Neo Network and Neo Hair and Beauty. I think for me, Neo, Neo Enterprise almost started as an idea, or it's been, I like to tell people that it's been boiling in me since the age of 13, 14. So I used to work in social enterprises when I was a lot younger. I was one of the people that helped set up the Dry January campaign under alcohol concern. I worked with um, the Advertising Standards Agency to basically lobby against bad marketing that, you know, that encouraged binge drinking with young people. Mm. I did a lot of social entrepreneurship work. Yeah. You know, so some of those things I've listed is amongst many, but... 
as I was working in a lot of social enterprises and a lot of them, you know, had ethos of they wanted to really empower people. But I just kept seeing that, you know, there was a, there was, you know, that wasn't happening and I couldn't really measure that. You know, when, when, when I was in social enterprise circles, people will say, you know, it's all about social return of investment. But for me, that was not very tangible and it was hard to measure. And so as I kept studying, I realized that, you know, I have a talent and that's hairdressing. And, you know, I'm very good with my hands generally, to be fair. And I thought, oh, this, why can't we link this to all the soft, softer things? Use hairdressing as a tool to empower women. And actually, I've always had a problem with poverty and wanting to do something about it. And poverty mostly affects Black people. And if you boil it down, it affects Black women even more. Because if you look back at our history, it's only of recent that's when Black women are, are getting empowered in their jobs or even generally domestically as well. So that's kind of how it all formed. And obviously the, the conversation that I, Laulu, used to have back in 2017 whilst she comes to do her hair. And she was like, oh yeah, you know, there's something called social entrepreneurship. And I was like, and I used to tell her, this, this is exactly what, I'm, what I've been doing for this while. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, I'm really interested in, and that's kind of how we started the conversation. And um, Laulu was so kind enough to say she will help out in the first ever Beyond Hair Summit, which is a yearly summit that we organise. And yeah, it just blossomed from there, really. Oh, fantastic. So it's that beautiful combination of using business to solve social issues, which is in essence what social entrepreneurship is. And how would you describe the journey for you both so far as two Black women starting in this, well, building something in this social enterprise world for Black women and to combat poverty and address social mobility as well? How would you describe the journey so far? What have some of your biggest challenges been as well? And the journey has been short of not sure of, of its challenges, definitely. I think mm-hmm. from my perspective, um, Laulu probably has a different perspective, but my perspective, it's been challenging because a lot of people don't understand, didn't understand our ideas. Sure. You know, because when you are going to present the ideas to stakeholders who can help push that idea to the audience that you're looking to push it to, a lot of times they're, they're white males and they just, they, they never got it on, you know, until recently when, you know, this issue about social mobility, poverty amongst black people started to come, come to the light. And so for me, that was, you know, one of the challenges, but that didn't stop us. Aside from that, it's, it's also to do with what, you know, the priorities of funders as well, sometimes when it comes to social mission and how, I remember there was one time I was, you know, applying for some funding and, you know, they gave me good comments about the funding application. They were like, this is a fantastic idea. It sounds like, you know, you know, world changing idea. However, hair is not an art, hair is not a tool to empower people. Mm. <laughs> so, you know, those kind of challenges for me were interesting. How did you respond to that? Because that's coming to, in essence, the very core of what you're doing. You know, when someone says hair isn't a tool to empower people. And the thing is, it wasn't, it wasn't the first or time like it's been it's been twice where we got rejected from something and that was that was the response mm. the thing is I think I, I did respond and say actually here is something that all black women have in common and that's our bonding exercise that's what actually we're probably more empowered you know when we're doing our hair you know from the process all the way to afterwards mm. and I know that when my hair is not done I don't feel as empowered you know mm. not because my hair is, is who I am but 
it's part of my identity and how people approach me. And, you know, still they didn't get it because they, you know, they see, they may see hair as white hairdressing, which is a totally different, has a totally different effect on the white woman than a black woman. So, yeah. I think also the challenges have been, so right now we're, we are building a tech solution that basically meets the the demand and the needs of black women who are looking to book appointments and also buy hair products. And one of the things that we found so hard, especially when it comes to pitching and going for like grant funding, things like that, is just the limited amount of data to mm-hmm. actually communicate the problem. So it's not like youth violence or or divorce rates. Yeah. It's black hair and the black hair industry is so lucrative. However, there's so little data to represent that. So I think that's also been a challenge, which is part of why we hold our events. We ask our customers what they think, because actually being able to have that data is empowering for the industry, yeah. for other Black entrepreneurs who are trying to maybe do something different, but they need this kind of data. That's definitely been a challenge. And also just sometimes you go into a room and you're, you're just like, wow, I'm the only one that looks like me in here. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and you realise the more influential the groups of people are, the less representative representative it is. And yeah. that's also a drive for us, for why we, especially on the Neo Network side, why we push like empowerment and our programs and our events, because we want to make sure that more of us are represented, more of us are in the room, more of us are speaking to people that have these pots of money, because actually when things like this COVID lockdown are over, the groups of people that will be majorly disadvantaged will be those with of ethnic minority backgrounds. That's Black people, that's Asian people, but specifically Black business owners as well who yeah. provide services. These are the people that are going to be majorly impacted. And that contributes to the bigger issue of poverty within the community across different demographics in general. So I think those have been our our challenges as well, in addition to what Ian said. Um, I think also what, you know, in line with the tech solution thing, I allow the aunt tech is, <laughs> we are not at all, but we've been working on building this tech solution. And so trying to build something that to exist that has never that, that we've never seen at all, like, you know, in the market, you know, as well as finding someone to help us build it on, yeah. you know, in an affordable way is almost near enough impossible, but we've just yeah. got so much faith that it's something that we're meant to be doing. And yeah, that's kind of what keeps us going. You know, I remember one time I was pitching in an investment to a room of investors. I was explaining this tech solution and they were like, these are like really... This is very like high tech. And I said, yeah, it is. <laughs> How is this going to happen? And in my head, I thought, I don't know, but it is going to happen. And so <laughs> just, just being able to actualize the vision, you know, in, in regards to the technological side has mm-hmm. been something that's been quite challenging as well. Mm. And how easy has it been for you both to access business mentorship? The thing is, for, for us, we've not struggled. 
to be honest. And the reason I think the reason why we've not struggled is because we're kind of we're well connected in in this in the region that we're at. And also I always make sure that I'm actually saying that I need this to to everybody that I can tell, you know. So that's it's not been a difficult thing. And actually right now we've got a business mentor um, and coach who's an innovation expert and strategy expert who basically coaches us under a program called Innovate Succeed, um, which is funded by Innovate UK. And so we don't have to pay for our mentorship currently, which is a blessing, but that wouldn't have happened if I didn't have the right, you know, we didn't have the right network around us. Yeah, because it is it is a real challenge, especially for minority entrepreneurs, um, exactly. that lack of business mentorship and guidance. Uh, so Innovate UK is has been a, a resource for you so for any listeners who are seeking mentorship to some degree, perhaps check check that organisation out. Yeah. And the thing is, our business mentor is, is like, I believe, the only Black business mentor under the Innovate Succeed programme. The only Black woman, and she actually, her her business history is very similar to, to our, our now. And so it, it's absolutely a blessing. And I don't, I'm, you know, I'm not saying that for us, for, for other, um, our situation is, very much similar to what's what's out there because I know that we we've just been blessed. However, it is quite difficult, and that's kind of why we we run Neo Network as well. You know, to be able to create this platform where not only mentors meet mentees, but also for people to see role models or people that to see who who has gone before them, and they can actually foster those relationships, and they could end up being their mentors. So yeah, that's that's that. Aside from you know our business coach, we also almost like make sure that we're following a lot of industry leaders in, in our space. And we've got, you know, um, our technical advisor who works, he's a senior software developer at Sky Technologies. Again, he's been an amazing asset. And that wouldn't have happened without us having the network that we've had and been able to connect with people. My advice to anyone listening here is actually as well, you know, People think people may think it might be quite difficult to connect and get mentors, but actually, are we going out there and putting ourselves out there? Make sure that we're standing and staying in the right places, being in the right places. You know, places to go, places like Beyond Her Summit. You know, will be good for you to connect with people. BYP conference; they always have a conference every year. Uh, is a good platform as well to connect with possible mentors because they always have a really, really high-profile black mentors present. So, yeah. I completely agree. And I think it only became extremely evident to me in 2018, I believe. And we had won our first grant to start running like workshops to help teach Black women who were asylum seekers, women who weren't working, how to like teach them how to do hair. So we started off doing very like community-based projects and we still do to a certain extent Mm. and when we went to this grant assembly or awards ceremony we collected our check we smiled in front of a camera and I kid you not less than five percent looks like us yeah this was a grant that was supposed to be available for people that looked like us and Mm. it was so it was really really obvious and I was like wow like we're not even in the room half the time and it's and oftentimes it's because we don't know about these things and you have to know about the room to be in the room exactly exactly (laughs) and I think it's because sometimes 
a lot of us aren't really diversifying in the sort of I, in the sort of businesses that we run sometimes. So we all kind of know about the same sort of things. But, you know, when there's a lot of the opportunities we've had is because we've met people that are kind of, even though they're, even though they have contacts with the industry that we're in, they kind of sit on the outside and they're in contact with other industries and, you know, other groups of people. And so what you realize is that actually when you're not talking to people, when you're not in the room, you are immediately at a disadvantage because you don't know about the funding available. Um, You don't know about certain opportunities happening. So I think another really easy thing to do is join everyone's newsletter until you're mm-hmm. sick. <laughs> until you're sick everyone's business. And then, you know, you can narrow it down <laughs> and then select the specific people that, you know, you tune into and you follow, I would say. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I think I think also one of the one of the amazing things about that that ceremony that Lauli was just speaking about was that we were actually the person that won the most amount of money because we had already had conversations with the CEO of that company before he, before the applications were even open. And the reason why I say that is because the journey that we've had in terms of like mentorship and advice and support has happened almost like a domino effect. It started with what make starting with one making one decision and that relaxed into many. So that where we are today, when you started with one decision. But I think as much as you know, as black people, we make we may not sit in the room or may not be in the room. Sometimes we actually lack making decisions. So make that decision that you are going to start that business. Make that decision that you are going to go to that networking event. Make make that decision that you're got you're going to reach out to that person you've been admiring over social media, even if they're black or not. And you never know how that would spiral out into relationships. And honestly, all the relationships that we fostered in our business has not just come inorganically. It's all been organic and it's all spiraled from one domino effect to another. Yeah. So just taking that bold step. I was just going to say, I mean, for the two of you, you know, just thinking about specific experiences that you've had that have been challenging or, you know, that have been, you know, giving you any sort of setback. Can you think of any experience that, that speaks to that? Definitely. We have multiple and it's always to do with money. <laughs> it's, it's always to do with, and I think this is kind of, this is the cross that many young millennial entrepreneurs would sometimes carry. It's like, you've got this amazing idea. Now who wants to either pay for it or fund it? Yeah. You know? And it's that proving process and building credibility that kind of gives you your grit and your your pizzazz, I guess. But loads, I think specifically something that was really recent was we had, we run our annual event every year. And this year we wanted to go all out. We found a really beautiful venue and we decided the only way we're really going to be able to hold this event is if we pursue relationships with sponsors that would basically be able to fund this event. So that's either through like support in kind or that would be through like monetary sponsorship. There was a really, really big organisation that we actually got in contact with weeks before Christmas when we were about to give up on the whole sponsorship thing because we're like, we don't know who else to pursue for this sponsorship um, funding. And this really large group called us up. No, we called them. And Oyen and that person 
leader of that organization had a conversation and they basically it was like a dream come true they were like yes we're gonna make this happen yeah we are you know send us all the financial information just so that we can cross-check that we are happy to support in in terms of media promotion we're happy to do this that it just sounded like you know a golden ticket we were over the moon. We have we have footage that we will one day release. Of <laughs> we were jumping about. Oh my god! How embarrassing! <laughs> about ecstatic. It was crazy. Um. So you know, Oyen sends that information that week, and we were like, okay, it's Christmas time. Probably expect to hear back from them in January first week. So January first week comes, we don't hear anything. Second week comes, we don't hear anything. Our event is in February, by the way. Oh, man. <laughs> February. oh no. Um, yeah. Oh, man. So, you know. Chasing them frantically. Yeah, absolutely. So, yes. chase, chase upon chase. I mean, they weren't the only, they weren't the only company that we had, you know, secured. Another, another massive, well-known bank as well. So they're not massive. They're, they're, pretty start, they're pretty much a startup. They, they also kind of agreed as well. Again, chased and chased and chased. I don't know, maybe it's something about 2020. I don't know. But um, <laughs> <laughs> because anyway, but you know, there was just, it all fell through. And yeah, absolutely, um, one of the mistakes that we made as a business is that we relied on that. And I, I think a lot of black businesses can tend to do this as well. Rely a lot on, on funding to be able to make things happen, right? So we rely a lot, a lot on that to actually pay for the event because the ticket prices that we were charging was not going to cover the cost of this, of this sure. event simply because our target audience, especially here in Birmingham, would just not pay, you know, what yeah. the real ticket price would. Yeah. So we relied on that. We relied on, on, on those sponsorship coming through and it didn't come through and we, you know, the event nearly got cancelled a day before the event when wow. over 200 people had registered you know, the day before, and we had had speakers coming from all across the country, hotels booked, everything like that. And it wasn't just like, it. I think for us, when we had that conversation in review of how we plan the event with our business coach, one of the things that she pointed out to us was, you know, immediately there should have been a, um, like a, an, a, a we had agreements, but immediately, I think it was just kind of the excitement and the hope of these people getting back to us and just confirming that we were good. We hadn't actually sent over to them an agreement, like making it legal and everything. Like, yeah. This is what you've agreed to do. Hello. And two, we realized actually we probably planned things a little bit backwards because we found the venue and everything first and then found people that would be able to support the vision of this event and so Oyen and I realized in hindsight actually maybe it makes more sense to do that stuff first you know build those relationships with sponsors secure all of that and then that should where the cover it yeah, that that should cover it and that would lead in how big you go and how grand you go. But I think for us we were just we were so passionate about, and the thing is, the event was amazing. And there were things that we knew were missing in our day, but, you know, our audience didn't know that. They were like, oh, it's amazing and blah-de-blah. But yeah, that's, that was a major 
that was a major blow, especially to our confidence. We were like, what did we do? Um, the event went ahead, right? Yeah, yeah. the event went ahead. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, how did you recoup from that? And what were some of your key learning points? I think just, just like Laura just said, making sure that we're doing this. I mean, we started the, the whole process months in advance, but because, you know, Louise, I know you spoke at the first ever Beyond Hair, but this this year was like literally a complete mass, like it was basically 10 10 x you know, how Beyond Hair was in 2019, um, 2018, 2019, into a different way. So we actually were doing things completely different and we were new yeah. to it. So actually learning for us was making, you know, just as loudly said, make sure that we've got things agreed before planning around that. You know, planning an event like at least a year in advance and contacting sponsors a year in advance if that's what we want to do. And looking at alternative ways to fund it aside from just sponsorships because they may fall through if you don't have solid relationships. You know, that was one. I think positively though, one of the learnings from that, because I... I was, you know, personally was just quite, I was very discouraged, but I was, I was discouraged, but I wasn't going to stop. I wasn't going to cancel this event. You know, I hated the planning process, but I wasn't going to cancel it. Not two days for the event anyway. Yeah. Yeah. You know, or even even before then, like, like, you know, like we were going through a lot of tension literally from November time. So one of the positive things that the reason why, you know, this was positive was because you know, now we're actually going to be, you know, working with black females in Birmingham, you know, to become software developers. And they're going to be attending a six-month coding boot camp. We've partnered with one of the speakers and one of the facilitators at, you know, at Beyond Hair Summit 2020 to run the coding boot camps. And they're called Coding Black Females. And we're, we're being funded by the Westminster Combined Authority. So what it seemed like a, you know, nearly... £12,000 loss or whatever has now resulted into over a quarter of a million contracts. And so that decision to be resilient, regardless of everything going, literally everything going wrong and, you know, almost losing our reputation and everything like that. (laughs) Literally, like it was just, it all just went, like it felt like everything was going left. But being resilient, you know, sticking to your why and sticking to that, you know what, I know the reason and the purpose I'm doing this. I'm not going to back down. That resulted into into something I would never have dreamed of if I cancelled it. Definitely. And I think everything was happening all at the same time. On top of that, you know, this hurricane or the storms that were sweeping across the UK were like the reason some of our speakers actually dropped out on the day of the event. It was just, it just felt like, what did we get ourselves into? Like, all we're trying to do is empower some Black women and make, like, give them the encouragement so they know they're absolutely amazing and they can do anything. And this is what we get. But I think, like Oyen said, you know, you actually have to learn that you will lose some, but you will definitely win some. And the wins are Much so um, satisfying because mm-hmm. you're just like, okay, that didn't hurt as bad now that we've like, we've won some and we've lost some. But sometimes you won't have, you know, your wins and your losses back to back. Sometimes you'll lose and lose and lose and then you'll win. But it just mm-hmm. depends on your journey. I mm-hmm. think for me personally, I I had to learn that, you know, the companies, the the sponsorships, they don't validate me as a businesswoman. You know, the idea and my work and the 
um, the quality that I bring, that that's that's a part of like what I bring to the table. But those those things, those failures don't validate who I am. That's not who I am. So I definitely had to learn that. And also I think, you know, as a practical one, just I think we had contingencies. It's like all our contingencies just yeah. really just got kicked to the side. Yeah. But definitely plan with contingencies all the way throughout your game plan. And the reason I say that is I kind of think of games like netball, basketball, football, those are strategic games because they know, okay, if we get to the um, second part of this game and, you know, we, we're se- several points down, this is who we need to bring on team. This is what we need to do. And I think it's the same sort of thing. You know, we learn the moves that help us win and just always building in contingencies into the the major plan of whatever it is that we're trying to achieve. And, and I think sometimes, you know, when people think about business, they think about it based upon, you know, the forecast, the balance sheet they've done, you know, like maybe my year one, I will break even. And in my year two, you know, I will make my first thousand pound profit and blah, blah, blah. I mean, it's, those things are all well and good. But when you're trying to build something new or you're trying to build something that doesn't have a blueprint, you know, you have to be ready for it to be very messy. And even even if you're not building something, you have to be ready for it to be very messy. And just know that, you know, there is no, there's no rush and it takes time. And, and, you know, the messy road of, of an entrepreneur is not necessarily just something that black, only black people suffer with. Everybody suffers with it, but it's just about being really resilient. You know, when you listen to, I, I listened to the CEO of Social Chain, Steve Bartlett, and you, you hear his story about when he started building um, Social Chain, he was living, he was sofa surfing and he was homeless whilst he was building this company. And now they, they're worth over seven, 700 million pounds and they're one of the fastest growing companies. And this, the guy's only 28 years old or, or so. And between the age of 18 and 21, he was broke. But, you know, traditionally, our balance sheet tells us that you should really stop <laughs> if you're making a loss con- um, continuously. So I just want to encourage someone, if, you've, if, it's not, if it doesn't seem like it's working, you just have to remember why you're doing it and maybe refining and learning from those mistakes that you may have take, taken in the past. Yeah, completely, completely. I read this really great quote by, I forgot, I think it's Catherine Kiyosaki, Robert Kiyosaki's wife. Is it Robert? Yeah, it's Robert, yeah. Yeah. Um, she tweeted one day, she said, never waste a good mistake. Learn from it so you don't have to repeat it. And I think that, to be honest, that is very much the case. You know, these mistakes that we make, these failures that we might go through, they're really for us to learn really well. And and in our learning, we can learn how to not do those things again if it was like a silly one. And and if it's a bigger one, it teaches us how to prepare. It teaches us strategy. It teaches us just really all the things that we need on a business journey anyway. So yeah, I feel like the, the journey of growing a business, starting a business, running a business trains you on its own. It's very interesting. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you both so much. Um, You've shared a lot on the ups and the downs of your experiences with Neo Enterprise. I mean, it's such a fantastic business. So it's neoenterprise.com, everyone, for those that want to find out more. And I just want to share the three key 
lessons or learning points from Laolu and Oyin. And the first one is to keep sticking to your why in the face of adversity. Keep revisiting that. Don't lose sight of it. The second one is accept that you'll win some and you'll lose some. So you will have those ups and downs. When you were both speaking, I was thinking of the stock market investing because I'm interested in that. And then um, you will have some some tough times and some some difficult times, but you want to look at the your, your progress and your successes over a long period of time. And in the main, you want to make sure that over that long period of time, for the most part, your wins have been more valuable than your losses. And it sounds like the both of you are onto a fantastic trajectory, um, especially with the opportunities that you're currently experiencing. And lastly, something from Laulu, she said, you know, don't allow your failures to validate who you are as a businessman or a businesswoman. And a bonus one from both of them was learn the moves that help you win. And we touched upon this in a previous podcast about when you experience challenges, setbacks and failures, not just looking at what you did wrong, but also looking at what you did right and holding on to that as well. So you can keep building your success strategy, if you like. So that point there touches upon that so nicely. I mean, so just a huge thank you, Aulu and Oyen. That was thank you for having us. I just want to share my usual quote that I share at the end of every single episode. And today's is from John Dewey. And he says that we do not learn from experience. We learn from reflecting on experience. So I want to encourage you all to engage in reflective practice, no matter what you experience, whether it's a challenge or something that's a win. Reflect and learn from those experiences through that deep reflection. Until next time. Thanks, everyone.